every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft. Have another in two weeks, so it's time. Mel Kuyper on the line, as well as Todd McShay. I'm Chris Sprow. Todd, where were you this weekend? I was in Iowa City this weekend for the Wisconsin-Iowa game. That the after party there was pretty... Uh, pretty I got to tell you, honestly, that place is on the, the top five underrated list for both watching a game and, and then also just the nightlife. I mean, we... We were not able to go out much or do anything serious, but um, and then I had a Saturday night flight too. So if we ever do yeah. go out for a little bit, it'll be Saturday after the game. But we went out on a Thursday night or Friday night for dinner, and then just one drink after, and it is a scene. Let's just put it that way. That place is a scene, and they they get after it. I'm impressed. Well, you can uh, have one to remember and have one to forget. It was kind of a forget there. Wisconsin offense shutdown. Mel. In the many uh, your days where you were doing a ton of weekends, pick, give me what is your favorite stadium? I want to stay on this theme real quick because Kinnick, Todd mentioned. I know he's done Big House, obviously Ohio State a lot. What's what's your number one spot where you're going to catch a game? I say always said it was Oxford, Mississippi, for Vaught Hemingway Stadium down at Ole Miss with the Grove and the way it is with the thirty thousand kids with the tents. Uh, yeah, it's just beautiful down there, and it's a great atmosphere for college football. Love Notre Dame. Love being in South Bend whenever we can for obvious reasons. I'm Polish Catholic here in Baltimore. Love Notre Dame, but I also like the Big House. So what I did when I went to the Big House, and McShay would love this. I would we walked into the Big House on a Friday afternoon around three o'clock, and nobody in there hardly. I would just go to every seat and just get an idea what the perspective was from here, from there, and just keep going around. I thought I was an idiot. I could just go from seat to seat just to sit there and get an idea with all the history of that program and the great players that played in that stadium. I, I was, uh, I, I love going to places like that, to have all that history and tradition, and certainly the big house does. And they've built on that place, and yeah. it's yeah. kind of, it's it's helped the, the acoustics, if you will. It's a lot louder. It used to be, and listen, it's not, it's not the craziest place, and winning certainly helps, um, but I can remember go, growing up with my grandfather, who did some did work with uh, Bo Schembechler, and my grandmother grew up with Bo. So I w- would wind up going to some games there growing up, and it just was not the loudest place in the world. But it, it is definitely changed, and everyone's embraced Harbaugh. I I'm an LSU guy. I love to me for, and I've been to just about every single major stadium from big time programs in the country now, and. There's no place as crazy, in my opinion, as, as Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. I mean, it's just a frenzy. I, I love it there. I think that just from the fans and the, the crowd and the noise and then the, you know, Mel's a little more responsible than me. He probably doesn't partake in the, the post game as much. But, uh, but you can have a lot of fun down there, too, especially if, if you know the guys at walk-ons. Yeah, I've been there in the afternoon several times, guys, and it's a big difference. It really is. That's why they say in the afternoon you don't get that home field advantage. You maximize it at night uh, for LSU games down in Baton Rouge at Tiger Stadium. So no question, Todd, that uh, at night completely different ball game than the afternoon down at LSU. I, I think Neyland's pretty cool too. You know, just by the river. Yeah, the river there. The the what is the Vol Navy? Everyone comes in on boats. Yeah, everybody and comes in right it, down the it's, river. It's a good scene. I have not been to Washington's new stadium, 
I haven't been to, to a Washington home game in my life. And I'm I, from everyone I talk to, it, the place is amazing. And now that they're obviously winning, um, I, I just I'd love to get out there to, to see a game. I'm so hungry is, for a winner. Washington is a really cool stadium. Obviously, they 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 did they really redid it, but it has this huge super steep second level and when it gets going it actually really shakes you can feel it uh yeah it's almost nerve-wracking then it has a great look out on lake washington all the stadiums in seattle are really good Everybody. i don't think you can have a bad time in an sec game no. especially I think any SEC i'll tell you what side we've been to the, you know the one double a's have been in the william and mary and uh yep. there's no stadium i don't care what you're saying stevenson university here in baltimore my daughter goes it's beautiful for a college football game they're undefeated this year i uh, just had a big win this past saturday over delaware valley get so that bell you, out please where, you know, wherever you go todd where there's college football or even high school football just to watch football uh you know in a, in a fall saturday or friday night it's unbelievable yeah i mean gosh even a bad vandy season you get to hang out mm-hmm. in that town not too bad guys we hit the stadiums i wanted to uh jump into you know, officially a lot of talk. The Browns are, you know, 0-6. There's a lot of teams that are actually starting to think about the draft from the standpoint of where their team might be positioned. You have teams like the Niners, obviously, trending in the wrong direction. I just wanted to pull out some of the top five, I would guess, draft questions that I keep hearing popping up, starting with number one, which is, you know, unfortunately for teams like the Browns, like the 49ers, and maybe we go through this a little bit every year till the draft process starts, but I think from both of you, are, is it official to say we've really cooled on the potential quarterback crop right now? What do you think, Mel? It's chilly. Is that cool? Yeah, it's very chilly. Um, yeah, I think, you know, you look at the senior group, and Todd, you saw C.J. Beathard this past week. Um, yep. I've watched Cooper Rush at Central Michigan, and there's a lot of other guys in that senior class. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, the underclassman at North Carolina, is interesting. Uh, you know, Austin Allen, Arkansas, Patrick Mahomes, Texas Tech, and, of course, the guys we talked about a lot, Rudolph at Oklahoma State, Kaya Miami, Kaiser Notre Dame, Watson at Clemson. Is there anybody that's a can't-miss at this? Now, who knows who's can't-miss and who isn't? That's, that's always tough evaluating quarterbacks. But I don't think right now there's going to be a quarterback, unless they're overdrafted, and look back at Locker and Gabbert and that group and Ponder, all way overdrafted, as it turned out. But when you look back, Todd, uh, on this draft, there, there's going to be major question marks with a lot of these quarterbacks, and I don't think any of them right now you would say are a top 10, top 15 type of guys. This is as bad a quarterback class as I can remember. And, you know, Trubisky, I exclude him for now. To be completely honest with you, I'm, I'm always transparent with this stuff. We did not evaluate him in the preseason. Had no idea he was going to have the breakout year that he's had. I've been working getting background information on him. Going to do some tape on him soon. But he's the only guy that I've gotten positive feedback from scouts who are out on the trail, going to practices, studying the tape, going to games. The only guy that has exceeded expectations, really, this year. That so it, with him excluded because I don't know if I'm going to come back after watching the tape and have a first round grade on him or a second or a third or what what it will be, but I just I don't have a first round grade on any of these guys. I think Brad Kai is a a good player. I think he's in a tough spot because they don't have a supporting cast around him. He takes a beating frequently, and he does not have a big arm. You know, in terms of his skill set, that's the biggest issue. I think he's probably gotten into some bad habits a little bit, throwing the football because of the, the protection issues that he's had. 
but I also think he has fast eyes, and I think he's intelligent, and he can move around a little bit. And when he's, when he's going and has some protection, he can be a very accurate quarterback. But, you know, there's a, just a lot of question marks with his game, and he's not going to be for everyone because he doesn't have the arm to, to play in, in every city and every division um, and be able to deal with some of the weather conditions. And then, you know, it's, it's tough because you, you watch Deshaun Watson, and he's so great in so many areas. But I just wonder if he has the consistent accuracy on intermediate and vertical throws that you need to have in order to be successful in the league. I mean, he has everything else. I mean, he's, his, ad, his size is adequate, great athlete, great temperament, tough. Um, he's a clutch player. He plays his best when the game's on the line and in the biggest games. But I just don't know, Mel. It, I haven't seen and I guess my question to you, do you see that consistent accuracy, balls thrown beyond 10 yards down the field? I, we've seen flashes, but do you see the consistent accuracy that you need in order to put a, a first, second-round stamp on this guy? I think a first-round grade will probably – you have to put on somebody, and I think Watson and Kaiser would Do you have to, guys. though? Why do you I have to? Well, I think teams are going to have to force them up, Todd, because they're quarterbacks. And I, I was just thinking about this But this when morning. does that work? When does that work? Doesn't. Well, I guess it doesn't, doesn't. You can go back and find instances where second-round quarterbacks maybe should have been forced up a little bit based on how they played, a little bit more than they were. And I guess we, we debated all that in previous years about, ah, this guy's not really. And some are and some aren't. It's a hit or miss. Nobody has really figured out quarterback. And if you look back, it's tough. And I think when you look at the college level right now, go back to the freshman class. We don't know what Jacob Easton's going to develop into. We, we're still waiting on what Josh Rosen injured now. But I don't see anybody that says, I'm – Say Andrew Luck. I don't see anybody out there right now playing college football that screams number one pick overall. Whether you're a freshman, sophomore, or senior, nobody playing college football at the quarterback position is somebody you're going to just rave about in terms of their pro prospects. They're throwing it all over the yard. They're playing its alley ball. And what's it amounting to? Not even okay? Lamar Jackson after uh... – I mean, no. it's, it's fun to watch. No. But, it's, but is that, uh, here's another one. You know, accuracy throwing the football and yeah. consistency throwing the football, it's not there. But he's only a sophomore. We'll see how he develops. He's not eligible for the draft. But to Todd's point, I don't, they're, they're throwing it more than ever at every level of football, okay? Whether you're a sixth grader or you're a high school kid, you're throwing it all over the lot. Yet no quarterbacks are coming into college looking like they're going to be a number one pick overall or a great NFL quarterback. Something's not right here. Well, I think it also is, Mel, is that you start to second-guess when you see say, you see a case like Dak Prescott. He's playing really well behind a great, great offensive line and a great running back, an offense that really stays on schedule and takes some pressure off. Then you see Wentz coming out. You start to just think, I don't know, maybe it's just more about where they land, uh, what, you know, the, the keys to the car they're handed. It's more about their success, and it just kind of makes you – it makes you question everything, you know. You say, "Is Deshaun Watson going to be good?" Well, I don't know. Tell me, tell me where he's landing, and then I'll tell you. Well, there are some schools where I think you're almost to the point where I am, Todd, about not even drafting an offensive player from that program. If you're going to play, you know, throw, 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 and bubble screens, and linemen are going to catch, and they're not going to drive anybody off the ball, and running backs are going to have gaping holes to run through, they're not going to see in the NFL where you got to create your own daylight. It's it's like why are you wasting your time? Okay, you got to get an immediate return on your investment. There are some programs now that's flat out are all about just throwing it all over the place, but not getting guys ready for the NFL, and the NFL. 
NFL, this is the minor league for the NFL is college football. And if they're yeah, not no doing question. it, they're not doing it. The NFL is going to have an issue where you can't work with these guys in the NFL because of the CBA. You don't get the time you need to develop players. It's just, it's got to be changed the next time they go, the next go around because you're going to need that time. And it's unfortunate it's affecting the NFL, although the NFL game is still strong and, and, and moving forward very effectively. But I'm looking at these quarterbacks and like I say, I, a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now that are playing well weren't necessarily early. What did we say about Tom Brady? Well, he's not exciting playing at Michigan. Okay. He didn't excite anybody. We're still waiting. Waiting to see what Mariota and Bortles will develop into. They're very erratic at this stage of their career, so we don't know what they'll be. So I, I hate to say what's, what's, what's going to look like after you know Rivers has moved on and Brady's moved on and Breeze has moved on and, and that group of quarterback Roethlisberger and all those guys have moved on because uh, the young kids coming up, where are they coming from? It's scary. It really is, and it's it's bordering on you know, put this in perspective, but it's bordering on a, a crisis within football is, is what it is, really. Because, and I think, I think part of it's where you land. I think part of it is because of all the spread systems, how big of a jump it is mentally. You can't, you and I both watch, everyone's watched. There wasn't a huge, and I, I liked Wentz more, you like golf a little bit more. There wasn't a huge difference in physical ability from Wentz and golf, but golf is so far behind mentally because of the system he played in and so you know Wentz gets there and he played in a pro style system in the FCS so he was dealing with an even bit greater jump in terms of level of competition but the mental part is so important so that's the second issue and then the third thing is I wonder and I I don't know you can't prove it right or wrong and I don't know if I'm if I'm onto something or it's just nonsense but I just kind of worry about the culture of quarterbacks now it's almost become like this aau funneling system starting in high school where they're told how great they are they're recruited differently than every other position they're treated differently they're not playing in a lot of cases one or two or three other sports like you know like it used to be and competing all the time they're going off to seven on seven camps and doing all these different things where they the mental toughness doesn't seem to be there with a lot of guys compared to what it used to be just even 10 years ago. Well, and we're also seeing that. I don't know. That's a whole other debate. It's a lot like college hoops, though. You mentioned the AAU scene where you see guys. I mean, they're together with Elite 11. They're together in the sevens. And they talk. Hey, where are you going? Okay. All right. Well, they'll actually make moves and avoid some of the competition within the programs because they want to play football. And they want to play football right away. And when they don't, they transfer. I mean, we consistently are seeing that. And it's not even a knock on a guy like Davis Webb. There's different circumstances in every place where, you know, he's a good kid and just wanted to play football somewhere else, you know, give give himself a shot at the pros, and he's going to get a shot at the pros. But there is – there definitely is that culture going on where I think maybe it – you know, you don't have as much competition within programs that could bring out great quarterbacking, and instead you just – you know, spread it thin so everybody gets to start. I don't know. Well, Maybe last, levels of playing. It's true. And the last thing I'll say on this subject, guys, is it's affecting the running game. I watch NFL games every week, as all we all do, and I'm amazed how quickly coordinators abandon the running game. They, they have success running it, then they – 
end up with 50 uh, pass attempts. It's like, why are you not committing to the run? Well, some of these teams flat out can't because the offensive linemen, again, catching and not driving by guys off the ball, can't do it. I'm frustrated by fourth and ones being stuffed. Fourth and ones leading to a pass or even first and goal, one run, and then we go pass, pass, pass. So I think they've almost given up on the ability to beat the defensive linemen to the punch. You'd be able to blow them off the ball. The defensive line has such an advantage now. You hand the ball off. You don't have any fullbacks in the league hardly now. Fullbacks are are, are gone, okay? They're dinosaurs right now. So it's a case where I think it's all affected the way the football that I grew up with. McShay wasn't born yet when I started, so he's not as impacted as much as I am. But it impacts me and how I look at guys. You've got to change your whole thought process from what I did when I started in 1978 through the 80s into the early 90s to where football is right now. It's a totally different game at all levels. Yeah, but it's made you so well-rounded, Mel. Guys, let's talk about something that we're actually excited about and stop telling the kids to get off our lawn for a minute here. I think uh, we saw, you know, maybe a little bit of a shift in the narrative about who's the best defender in the country right now, and that could have happened with the Alabama game. The Jonathan Allen Superman tape, I'm a little bit worried. Todd, I told Mel this earlier, that this is going to become the clowny hit against Michigan. It's the It's the... Tape I'm going to see 900 times between now and when he's drafted. Clowney uh, got there on a stunt, unblocked, and then Jonathan Allen beat a <laughs> beat a, a true freshman and then dove over and got a great hit on Trevor Knight. That all said, Todd, are you should we be excited about Jonathan Allen? I mean, Miles Garrett was playing a little bit nicked up and still looked really good. You know, maybe there aren't any quarterbacks, but there yeah. sure are guys that can there, chase them. There are different. They're different players, obviously. Miles Garrett is a true 4-3 outside defensive end and could potentially play a 3-4 outside backer, depending on the scheme. Jonathan Allen is a defensive tackle that can play five technique at 6-3, uh, you know, 295 pounds right around that area. He was verified in the spring at 295. So different players, but to your point, I, I'm, this group is – there's a lot of talent up front along the defensive front. We, we've seen this the last couple of years, Mel, especially last year with just a lot of talent up front between Jonathan Allen, Miles Garrett, uh, who we mentioned, Malik McDowell, who's not having a great year but is really athletic and has a ton of potential. Um, Devontae Fields from, from Louisville is another one. Ruben Foster, inside linebacker on the same Alabama team. Uh, Dewan Smoot from Illinois I think is un, uh, underrated. Tim Williams is starting to come on and play the way he, he, we expected him to play, the way he played last year. Um, kind of an adjustment. He's had off the field issue and um, an adjustment to being a full-time player this year versus being fresh and coming in on, on passing type downs. But the, the list kind of goes on and on of guys in the first, second round that that appear to be skilled enough to make a big-time impact in the NFL and, and to do it early on. But to answer your question, I think Allen is the real deal. I, I really do. I, I was shocked when he decided to go back to Alabama. That was Nick Saban's best recruiting job all of last or last offseason, I should yeah, say. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'll be really surprised if he's not a top-ten pick. Yeah, Nick was bashing me for Adam 19th in a mock draft in January. Uh, you know, putting, how dare I put Jonathan Allen in a mock draft at 19? And uh, he's a great player, Nick. Mel's That's why we pushing have him. That was, pushing that was ridiculous, Mel. Education. I know, ridiculous. I know, it's just crazy. But Saban's I think, really, right. I think, and I always say this, you know, they talk about scoring in the NFL, and it's right where it should be. And fantasy leagues all want touchdown, touchdown. Well, if you want that, fantasy leaguers, go watch college football because they don't play defense there, and you'd be happy being in the fantasy league in college football. Wow, the NFL, you're sticking uh, with the old man theme today, yeah, huh? Exactly. And the NFL. Angry. 
agree. Touchdowns mean something. And when, touchdowns become, and when touchdowns become meaningless, guys, it's not football, and that's what college is dealing with. The NFL, fortunately, values touchdowns. We didn't see one in the game last night. That's why this is a great league still, because touchdowns mean something. And you draft these guys, Todd, that you're rattling off those names of those defensive players to stop people and to cover people and sack quarterbacks and do all that. That's why we draft these guys. So a 16-13, 13-10 game, that's football, not 59-56. to 56, Okay. With that said, six guys that I think are elite in this draft. Five of them are defensive players. Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, Michigan, do-everything player, Jamal Adams, safety LSU, Reuben Foster, inside linebacker Alabama, and Jonathan Allen. The one offensive player is Leonard Fournette. So I think that's your big six. Maybe a little drop-off. We'll see what McDowell does the rest of the way. We'll see about Tim Williams, how he does, uh, Derek Barnett, all guys like that. But the bottom line is six top guys, five defensive players out of that six. One of those other guys that we, we saw, again, trucking people uh, recently is Leonard Fournette. What's the, what's the vibe on him right now, Todd? I mean, because, you know, Ezekiel Elliott went number four, and so far so good. I know it's extraordinarily early to even talk about, you know, what that means in terms of drafting running backs early. But we, we can bring up Leonard Fournette because he's had that pedigree, and he's had it really since he arrived on campus. Is What's the vibe on him and – you know, these little injuries, and then, you know, maybe even it's a good thing that the, the mileage isn't adding up as quickly as it has in, re, in previous years, excuse me. The vibe is that he's awesome. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's elite. I mean, he's got all the, all the tools you look for. He can protect. He can catch. He obviously is a, a bulldozer of a runner. And, I mean, he, the – the one thing you'd, everyone at LSU says is that it, it really hasn't gotten to him all the you know the fame and all the the stardom that he's still grounded and works hard. He you know obviously he's got to handle it and manage it, but he's a worker, and so you know you're get, you're getting that as well. So the durability issue, it's they'll they'll poke and prod and they'll go through all the medical exams and see if there's anything concerning long term. I don't expect that will be the case, and and if he is clear and good to go from there on i think you make a good point i mean a team would rather him be a little nicked up this year and not get 120 extra carries than uh than get those 120 carries so i don't think it's going to affect him i think it'll come down to is there a team like dallas a year ago that what does it mean to them what does the run game mean to them that's really what it's all about dallas is a team that's built from their offensive line back or out if you will and they know that they have a great offensive line, the best run-blocking offensive line, maybe the best entire unit in, in all of the NFL. So, And they're focused on running the ball and coming into the year taking some pressure off the quarterback position. And that's what they've been able to do with Dak sitting in there as the, the backup, maybe the, the starter you know, for the rest of the year, depending on how things go. So I, to this year's draft, is there a team in the top five that is willing – to put that emphasis on it. Do they believe in the run game like the Rams do, like the Cowboys do, to use a top 10 pick? And that, that will really decide it. But uh, to me, Mel, he's, he's clearly one of the top five best talents in this year's draft. And it comes down to what your philosophy is and, and what you want to do offensively. 
Yeah, and then who values that running back earlier, needs that running back early. Adrian Peterson, I believe, guys, went with sixth overall to the Minnesota Vikings when he came out. He didn't go number one or number two, even though he was one of the elite players in that draft. And we saw Ezekiel Elliott go in the fourth pick overall, which he was projected to go, and he was rated to go that high. I'm not going to get into the whole philosophy thing, but I saw Jay Ajayi run for 200 and some yards yesterday for the second straight week, and he was, what, a fifth-round pick. And I've watched Evan Coleman do a good job in Atlanta, and David Johnson do a great job in Arizona, and LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon. Bell, DeMarco Murray, Jamal Charles all have really good careers. I can give a laundry list of names that weren't first-round running backs. So when you run behind a Dallas Cowboy line, Darren McFadden put up big numbers last year. I'm not taking anything away from Ezekiel Elliott, but a lot of backs with ability would be having similar success behind that Dallas Cowboy offensive line. I like how Mel uh, likes 6-6 six to six football games and... Which back in the day, man, yeah, those, yeah, let's go ahead well, and take I, a no, running. Let's go ahead and take a running back at one one. Who cares? What I'll but, say but is, Chris, this: I like a six six game. Chris, it's, in just, it's constant contradiction. No, I mean, <laughs> no, it's not. You I know, like a you six, know, six, <laughs> no, it's not. I like a six six game in overtime, sprinkled in when you got a thirty three thirty game in overtime. You got exciting games. I don't want to see. I check Saturday. 30-plus of the 48 games, it was like 33 of the 48 games, the winning team scored 30 or more points. 20 of the 48, the winning team scored 30 Well, that's about the points. clock, Mel. That's it. And that's a story for another day. I can't, t- NFL, I can't take another SEC game where I no, see defenders no. have to play 100 snaps. Yeah, you so can't even big, evaluate them. You, you talk about a guy like, I mean, Todd, I think a guy like Chris Jones last year where you'd see him, it's hard to tell if he's dogging here or there or if he's just exhausted because he's playing 800 snaps. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. Big 12 games no, you know, are unwatchable. You, you, know, you need you a watch life if you sat down and, and you went through every box score to, to see how many points were scored by the winning team. That's amazing. Before, no, 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 before no. 7 a.m., I would guess. Yeah, I do that every week. I check to see how many teams just for the heck of it, just to get a little idea of what's Mr. going Gold on. Just know? to get angry? Yeah. yeah, just to get something to scream about, Todd. But I think, <laughs> I think when you look at it, I, I I asked, in fact, I asked an Oklahoma grad Sunday morning, what did you think about that Oklahoma-Texas Tech game, 66-59? That game was gross. And it wasn't good. It, so people think, oh, that was so exciting and entertaining. No, that's not football, okay? That's yeah. not football when you got 2,000 yards of offense in one game. That's not football. 13 to 10 once in a while, 6-6 six, six in overtime, hey, sprinkled in is what you need. And I, that's why I like Wisconsin, Iowa, teams like that that will play true kind of Alabama throwback football. That's what I love to watch on a Saturday, not 66-59 games. All right, now we, uh, now we know where he stands. Guys, one last question uh, before we hit the break here. Jabril Peppers, is this a top 10 type pick because you know he can do so many things or is he not a top 10 pick because you don't know exactly that perfect spot to play him? He's a top 10 pick because you know today's NFL is going to allow him to be what exact, exactly what people want. Is Where that is he versatile playing guy? He's playing where with Dayo Buchanan. Dayon Buchanan. Yeah, where's he playing? Yeah, where are you? How are you utilizing guys who can cover, get after the quarterback, run around and match up in this league, which is completely different now? You love maybe 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, Peppers would have been a, a so-called tweener. We don't really know what to do with him. We don't know where he'll maximize his ability. Now he he, he could he'll, I think he'll be a top five pick, Todd. It won't shock me at all. It won't shock me. I I, I think somewhere. It'll surprise me if he's not a top 20 pick. Let's put it that way. I think he's one of the 10 best football players in this draft. And I think teams are more open than ever to drafting the best football players and guys who have versatility and not being, you know, not getting stuck trying to compartmentalize a player and and have to put him in a very specific role. Where's Peppers on your big board right now, Todd? 
Right now, he's number four overall. I got I'm looking at the board right now. I got him three. Yeah. You got him four. So that's why I say top five is entire is really possible right now. He's so into Don Brown, their defensive coordinator. He actually had us laughing. He was saying, you know, I've never coached a player where I don't tell him how to get there. I just tell him where to be because every time I would try to tell him how to get there, he would try to do it, and and I would hurt his game. And then I started just telling him, okay, I need you, you know. Ball snapped. I need you eventually to be through the C gap and be in position to do this. And he would go to try to take on a 295 pound blocker, but then would slide, you know, slide to the right, and and all of a sudden at the last second, it would wind up being in the spot and making the play for a three yard loss. And and everything about the technique and and the way he would try to do it was not standard and not the way you would coach it. But then all of a sudden he's making a three yard loss, and Don Brown saying, "I'm just sitting there clapping up in the up in the press box," and the coaches. Booth just loving the results, but not knowing how he got there. He goes, and then I had other guys like Wormley and defensive front seven players trying to follow his lead and figure out what he's doing. And I had to make sure everyone realized that Peppers is just a different human being. Like he's not from not from this earth. So to me, guys like that that can play in the box, that can play deep safety, can play at slot corner and match up, that are always around the football, making big plays. I don't. Punt I don't return. know how you let him slip out of the. T- yeah, can return. Obviously, in the in the NFL, it would be a reach to think he's going to play on offense. But he's just. And Harbaugh said it. and I think I've said it before on this podcast. He, he hasn't been around a guy who has the football instincts and intelligence that Peppers has since Andrew Luck. He said I, those are the two guys that jump out the most instinctive football players I've ever been around. The way Don Brown is talking about Peppers reminds me a little bit before the draft. I know you guys heard this. You know. Was it a few years ago, Mel, we were sitting there, and this is kind of how Gruden would talk about uh, Tyron Matthew. Of course, he would only call him Honey Badger. I don't even think he knew his name. But he he, he didn't know if there was any one thing he does perfectly, but he was always around the ball, and it seemed like there was nothing he couldn't do on the football field. Yep. Guys, going to take a quick break, but then I was really quickly before uh, Todd has to run off, hit a few of the – just a few names of players you just haven't heard of yet that you're going to start to hear of come December and January. We'll do it real quick after the break. But first, a word from our friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want and for a great value. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, Every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed 100% by their guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. 20 bucks To get it, your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to Settings tab and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code DRAFT. D-R-A-F-T, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app 
and enter promo code DRAFT today. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about MeUndies. Now, picture a world where putting on a new pair of underwear isn't just fresh. You're stepping into a better day. Think about it. Underwear is the first thing you put on and the last thing you take off. Why would you settle for anything less than the best-feeling underwear on the planet? MeUndies focuses solely on producing the most comfortable underwear you've ever experienced. My friends at MeUndies sent me a few pairs a while back, and now I can't imagine wearing anything else. True story. It really makes each day that much better. For the price of two cocktails, MeUndies will deliver your new favorite pair of underwear right to your doorstep. That's a better day guaranteed. Try them on, and if you aren't the most comfortable, best-feeling undies you've ever had, they'll refund you and let you keep your first pair for free. You can't get a refund on cocktails. Included in the price is the sweet touch of Modal, a special fabric made with best-in-class raw materials that are scientifically proven to be three times softer than cotton. Again, this is true. These uber-cozy undies are sold exclusively on the MeUndies website where you'll enjoy free shipping in the U.S. plus Canada. And for a limited time, everyone in our audience gets 20% off their first order. But you have to go to our special URL. That's MeUndies.com slash draft. With the MeUndies Better Day Guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So don't wait any longer. Go to MeUndies.com slash draft right now for 20% off your first order. That's MeUndies.com slash draft. Welcome back to First Draft. We've heard uh, Mel yell at the uh, those offensive kids to get off his lawn. Todd kind of backed him up a little bit there. So, just saying. Yeah. Um, QB situation in college football ain't pretty. Leonard Fournette is. Jabril Peppers is. Jonathan Allen's got his Jadavi on tape. Guys, really quickly, I just wanted to run through, you know, a name or two at each position. Now, I'm waiting for you to go 13 deep on, like, punters. But a name or two at each position that you just haven't gotten to say yet that maybe has popped up this year. That's just a really good football player that nobody knows yet. Mel, who is that at quarterback? You know, I don't really see anybody that we haven't talked about. We've thrown a name out. Cooper Rush has some things going for him at Central Michigan. Uh, yeah, he's not going to be an early round pick the way it looks right now. I think Skyler Howard at West Virginia is just a guy that just you know, makes plays. And West Virginia's under the radar. They're undefeated. They got the playing defense. They got some kids on that side of the ball. Uh, the one safety is outstanding. So I look at, at what Howard's done. I'm impressed. Is he just a great college quarterback at barely six feet? If that, we'll see. But I think Cooper Rush from Central Michigan, Todd, who do you have a good quarterback. Yeah, Cooper Rush would be the one guy I'd bring up. I mean, he's I didn't even, didn't do his tape in the preseason. Starting to watch a little bit on him. I think he's got some ability. I think we're probably talking about at best early somewhere in day three. Let's put it that way. But a guy that not many people know about that's going to wind up getting drafted. What about the running back position? Um, somebody we don't know yet. Matthew Days is a player that jumps out to me. Uh, from NC State, and I know you know he's again. We're talking about a guy that doesn't get a lot of national pub. He's not going to be picking the first three, four rounds. But I just I, I like his consistency, his vision, his toughness. He's a grinder, team captain, clear leader on the team. Loves 
doing everything he can, special teams type player that will contribute in a lot of ways and may wind up making a team as a number two, number three back that gets some carries, can pass block, and can help in the return game, and, or in, in the kicking game, I should say, covering kicks and doing different things. Love Matthew Days. I wish they'd have given him the ball instead of uh, just letting the clock run down and trying to field goal. Maybe they would have picked up five to eight more yards and would have made it easier right. for your kicker, and they would have beaten Clemson, Clemson instead of losing that game. When you got Matthew Days, you let the clock run down. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, Matthew Days, I think, a uh, little Frank Gore. I mean, I look at him, and he's a heck of a player. D'Angelo Henderson at Coastal Carolina. The shot declares this kid can play. Uh, he's proven it time and again. He had a shoulder injury against Gardner-Webb out last week. He scored a touchdown in 32 straight games. Uh, he's a back that I think think we'll get a chance as a late-round pick, undrafted free agent maybe, but I think he's draftable. Guys, wide receiver real quick. Mel, one that stands out to me because yeah. he's one of my favorite players in all of college mm-hmm. football is that you have Curtis Samuel with the wide receivers now. Todd, do you agree with that? Um, sure. I mean, I, I can live with – again, it's kind of like the, the Peppers yeah. deal. Uh, however you want to use him is fine. It's running back, wide receiver, slot. He's, he's going to be – a versatile player in your offense. You're going to manufacture some touches for him. You're going to move him around, and you're going to count for the ability to, to both run and catch. Yeah, I mean, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, if you don't haven't seen him number four, he's kind of like a 30 pounds bigger, you know, maybe even faster, tougher, hard-running version of like a McCluster. I mean, just that true hybrid who can catch it, run it. Guys, what about I like Isaiah uh, Ford, too, at, at wide receiver, if you're going wide receiver. The Virginia Tech wide out. He has some size, physical. He's, he's been productive this year. Um, I, I think he's a guy that maybe because it's Virginia Tech and they're, I know they're better this year, but they're not, they're not what we're used to always on TV. But he's got 36 catches, averaging 14 per catch, five touchdowns. Uh, I think he's an interesting player in this draft. Guys, jump into the, football. Yep. Jump into the, the defensive time. side of the ball really quickly here before we wrap up. We've talked about you know some of the big name pass rushers and D linemen. Who are a couple guys that are going under the radar on that side? Well, uh, yeah, I look at a kid, and by the way, Isaiah Ford, Todd, nobody's more dedicated to the game. The kid sleeps with the football. I mean, the kid's all about the game of football. They're early, leaves late. So uh, great, uncomfortable. Great work ethic with a kid like that. And normally a wide receiver, there's diva receivers you see. He's not. He's a hard worker. I like Derek Rivers at Youngstown State uh, as a guy. Six, four and a half, long rangey. Something at South Dakota, October 1st, two sacks. He's got over 30 sacks in his career, Todd. I think Derek Rivers, kid out of Youngstown State, uh, has a chance to be an effective player in the NFL. A couple guys from big programs that I feel like are, are flying under the radar because they play with you know bigger name guys. Florida, it, it, obviously, they've got so many guys on the defensive side, uh, especially Davis, the linebacker. But Marcus May at safety, this guy's a really good, well-rounded football player. Five, basically six foot, two hundred nine pounds, runs well, uh, brings versatility. I, I think he's a player that somewhere in that late first to second round range will will be in the mix. And then Chris Wormley, we talked a lot about Peppers even on on this podcast. Chris Wormley at Michigan keeps getting better and better. And better, and he's played inside, outside, six three, six four, somewhere in that range, close to three hundred pounds. Can be a three technique, can be a five technique. So he can play inside. He can get up the field. He can uh, take on double the uh, double team in terms of two blockers. And he's he's really starting to improve as a pass rusher and just let it all hang out. He's he's had a pretty impressive season. You wonder at the end of the year, Todd, if uh, I mean you you've gotten to see Michigan up close. 
yeah, Peppers is obviously the name. You hear about a guy like Tar- Taco Charlton. You wonder if the coaches would tell you that Wormley might be their MVP just because of everything he does up front. Frankly, weather is so dominant. Yeah, they. I mean, they love what he's done and, and how he's stepped up and become that leader up front. Guys, abbreviated version this week. Got some people on the run, but uh, thanks. We got we we're able to run through some uh, draft topics, even some stadiums, and obviously some sleepers. Didn't get to my sleeper punter Austin Rico from Idaho, but maybe I'll do a, a half just, an hour. But you just did half an hour version of my own uh, <laughs> afterwards, guys. I mean, he kicks too. Come on, what else do you want? Uh, hey, can we can we get the ratings on that, Josh? No, on the, on the half hour. Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't want to embarrass Sproul, but I, I, I can dig up some. Numbers. Well, no, that's maybe. the whole point. Well, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Back in my day, when we would talk about punters, yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, enjoy it. This week, obviously, uh, a lot of people should be running to subscribe to the Sprout Punter Report. But for Todd, Mel, I'm Chris. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.